Hello and welcome to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. This week we're discussing the use of AI in healthcare in advance of an event on this topic being organised by the Foundation for Science and Technology on the 14th of June. My guest this week is Professor Chris Holmes, Programme Director for Health and Medical Sciences at the Alan Turing Institute. Professor Holmes, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, delighted to be here. So can we start with a brief introduction to the Alan Turing Institute, what it is and, and what does it actually do? Yeah, sure. Um, so the uh, yeah the Alan Turing Institute, or the Turing as we know it for short, it was set up, established in 2015 as the UK National Institute for Data Science uh, and AI. And it's really established as a kind of complementary research institute to our universities. So what we look at is those kind of knotty problems where we can provide additionality to the excellent research that is being undertaken within our constituent universities. So I don't know if healthcare counts as a knotty problem, but what are the sort of the major areas within healthcare for which AI can make a, a major contribution? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly one of the major kind of problem domains that we look at within the Turin Institute alongside questions around environmental science and net zero and defense and security. But but healthcare is, is one of the major uh, problem domains. And you know, when we ask a question such as what areas of healthcare will be impacted by AI, I think we're we're pretty much looking at the full spectrum, anywhere where we collect data and wish to either make evidence-based decisions or analysis based on data is where AI will increasingly uh, come to have implications. So let's break that down a little bit. What does this actually mean? for the NHS? What does this actually mean for patients? Uh, and obviously some AI is probably being used now. So think about now and then sort of project us forward a few years and sort of sh show us what this looks like. I mean, th th there are many kind of implications. I think the NHS thinking carefully about the planning for the enabling activities that AI and uh, will bring uh, to healthcare. I think the things that are on the kind of imminent horizon are the use of AI in, in areas of medical imaging, which is probably the kind of poster child of where AI has, has shown great promise. But I think probably one key area is around operational research and operational efficiencies uh, within the NHS, which will be enabled. And that's, that's also because those are are easier to work within within a regulatory framework. I think you know the implications for patients are such that just be prepared to get involved. I mean, we really need the patient perspective and the patient involvement all the way through. So if I was one call out to patients would be, you know, let's hear your concerns, let's hear your voices and get involved now in the conversation and help us develop an AI-enabled NHS, which is best uh, targeted for patient benefit. And are there, other than this podcast, of course, ways of reaching out to patients to begin to have that conversation? Yeah, I mean, so the places like the Alan Turing Institute, are places like uh, HDI UK, which is the Health Data Research UK, are very strong on the kind of public patient engagement uh, and involvement. And so, yeah, exploring that and exploring opportunities to get involved in research, uh, I would strongly advocate 
for those. So you mentioned imaging, and I think that that's fully understood. It'd be worth pulling out just for uh, our listeners a little bit the, the areas where imaging enhanced by AI can be helpful. Are we talking about disease? Are we talking about diagnosis of certain things? What, what are we talking about here? So I think, I mean, actually, I think it'll probably, it will move across all spectra uh, of that. But one area in particular, for example, is on screening. So in the in the UK, we have a, a national screening program uh, on breast mammogram screens. And that is where a set of let's call them ai enabled eyes in addition to human radiologists provides increased precision in being able to kind of detect unusual kind of patterns and so that is one area that that we will see and one of the nice things about that area is that we can start to incorporate ai in a trustworthy manner monitor its performance and as we gain confidence that uh, it's performing to the high levels that we wish it to have then one can start to say reduce a pair of human eyes at the moment there would be two uh, radiologists uh, looking at each uh, mammogram image, we could perhaps one at uh, one time reduce that to one human, one AI, and so forth. So I think that's an area that we will see movement on pretty quickly. The other area is embedded software. Actually, we're probably unaware of, but all of the the major manufacturers in medical imaging. Uh, technologies will have AI enabled, embedded within those machines. So that's probably an area that we're we're not aware of, but is already providing benefits. And the other thing you mentioned earlier was operational efficiencies. And that's probably not something that people immediately think of uh, when they think of AI. Can you just tease that out for us a little bit? What uh, what kind of efficiencies might we see? Yeah, so the, you know, th things that, you know, as we're aware, like the NHS is a very kind of complex uh, organisation. So thinking about how might we optimise the planning of, of bed availability within hospitals? How might we organise the, the running and the organisation of clinical trials uh, in order to, you know, maximize efficiencies, kind of minimize risks that come with trials that are not recruiting fast enough. So I think all sorts of, of areas of operational research are open to AI, especially as we now start to realize the benefits of, of collecting high quality data and making data available uh, for analysis. So I wanted to ask you about the, you said high quality data, about the quality of the data. And obviously machine learning is only as good as the data sources that they learn from. Are there any issues in, in some of the things we've been talking about, particularly in say uh, imaging, uh, in terms of data quality or, or data bias within some of these, uh, some of these areas? I mean, it's absolutely, you know, and you, you really hit an important point there that the quality of the data and the ability to kind of organize and harmonize data is absolutely critical uh, for, for the uh, machine learning or, or AI analysis. And it's often said that, you know, that the data aspect is, is twice as important as the algorithm development. So there's a lot of, you know, people talk a lot about algorithm stability and robustness, but actually most of the, let's call it instability or the potential for instability comes into the data, uh, the data gathering and data management. And 
there are emerging areas around something called MLOps, which specifically looks at this engineering aspect of how do we gain confidence in the actual data itself going in. So it's, it's an absolutely kind of critical step. It's an area where institutes like the Alan Turing uh, Institute are, are well set up because we have embedded data engineering teams, which is perhaps different to uh, conventional university setup. So we have experts in data wrangling and data engineering to ensure that the data that we get is of high enough quality that we have the right what we would call data versioning so you have the data that you think you have and that you can replicate and reproduce any analysis that you run on those those data so yeah i couldn't agree more or stress more the importance of uh, the data engineering aspect now in some other areas and i'm thinking particularly of facial recognition technology there are differences in the accuracy depending upon the the sort of the cohort of people from whom the data is learned so in basic terms if you train it mainly on white male faces it becomes very good at recognizing white male faces but not so good at other other things are there within heavy some of these healthcare applications a need to make sure that you take data from different ages that you take data from different ethnicities you know or is that less of an issue for some of these diseases what, what's the sort of importance no i think the uh, representativeness of the data or non-representativeness potential non-representativeness of the data from the data that's available to train algorithms versus the data that will be used in deployment is is a critical issue and one that we have to be aware of and it's incumbent on us to uh to 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 be aware of and confident that we're not introducing inequality or inequity into the analysis or into the tools that we build i've been fortunate enough to sit on uh, the independent review panel for the Secretary of State for Health, which is looking at precisely this question, amongst others, around um, issues of inequalities or equity in medical devices. And AI is in medical devices is one major part of that review where we've asked or looked at precisely that question. And it really looks at the kind of the end-to-end the -end problem, which is we know that the data sets that we have typically are non-representative the people that sign up for clinical trials or sign up for measurements are often different to uh, the populations where we would wish to deploy uh, the methods in particular under representation from certain ethnic groups from socio-economic uh, demographics and and so there it, there is a responsibility both at the regulatory side, but also in the manufacturer's side to best mitigate this. And that involves uh, reaching out, trying to get the best data that you've got, it involves reporting or checking for accuracy across subgroups uh, and reporting of those subgroups. And then afterwards, how do we ensure accurate monitoring? How do we, how do we post-deployment monitor these algorithms to ensure that they are not introducing uh, unfair biases against certain certain demographics or strata. Well, you mentioned in that 
regulation. And I was going to ask you what the kind of the role of regulation is in all of this. And, and do we in the UK with the NHS and so on have the right regulatory framework in place for some of these new technologies coming on board? I mean, I mean, absolutely. I think one of the one of the reasons that makes the UK such an attractive place to do clinical research, and I include in that AI-enabled clinical research, is the is the regulatory framework that we have around MHRA, which is the UK regulator. MHRA have fantastic expertise in this area. I think what we really need to see is them being properly resourced for what will uh, be a rather disruptive phase of AI. We know that AI is, is undergoing an era of rapid innovation. And so I think we have the regulatory framework in place. I think regulation, good and regulation is an enabler uh, for innovation. It should not be seen as a way of preventing the right agile uh, regulation is an absolute enabler and it allows people to come and research in the UK with confidence in the results that are found. But we need to properly resource uh, the, the regulators in order to take on this expanded role. Absolutely. And we'll have to see how resourcing comes from the government uh, going forward. But I'm sure they're certainly thinking about the challenges of regulating AI across many different sectors. Um, I wanted to ask you, focusing a bit more on your own work and the work of the Turing Institute, what are some of the things that you and the Institute are working on in healthcare right now in, uh, in Turing? Yeah, thank you. I mean, I guess we could broadly categorise them around probably four uh, uh, major themes. Uh, we work on kind of early stage cellular and molecular medicine, uh, with partners. In fact, everything that we do is with external partners, experts in the application domains. So working with partners such as uh, Genomics England, looking at projects around molecular mechanisms and looking at the genetic and genomic contributions uh, to human disease, through to early detection and algorithms for early detection. We've been working closely with Public Health Scotland on looking at new tools for GP practices, uh, for flagging people at risk of hospital admission uh, within the, the following year. We're working with Alzheimer's Research UK on the very tricky problem of early detection of neurodegeneration. Those early detection projects have an interesting aspect of something we call multimodal data integration, uh, which means how do we start to combine different types of data, such as genetics with imaging or genetics with electronic health records. And this brings particular kind of challenges to the kind of analytics because traditional statistical models or computer science machine learning models were designed to incorporate one type of data. Whereas now what we're looking to do is build models that can accommodate lots of different types of data of very different dimensions. So that's working on early detection. And the other areas we're working around is on population and public health. We have a very close relationship with UK, the UK Health Security Agency that was built up through the times of the pandemic and continues to be a strong partner for us. And then the final area that we're looking at is around clinical trials 
and how do we kind of bring AI into the kind of evidence evaluation. So lots of things happening. And I think one, one great aspect of the Turin Institute is that people in the healthcare sit alongside people working in defense or in the uh, digital economy. And there's lots of skill sharing around things like privacy enhancing technologies. We have a public policy program that look at things around the regulatory framework and AI standards. So it's a great mix of people and researchers. And if we're gonna solve AI for healthcare, it's really going to require a multidisciplinary uh, viewpoint to come in to enable us to do that. Absolutely true, as it is with so many hard problems, it needs a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the media. I mean, AI has not had a great press in the last few weeks, and there are real concerns being expressed about AI, though not specifically within healthcare. But I'm wondering how some of that media attention and some of the concerns are feeding through to the work of the Turing Institute and what you're thinking about in terms of AI. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly, you know, become at the forefront of the popular press. I mean, it's amazing that we see this, uh, you know, almost on a daily basis, uh, enter into the kind of the news headlines. Um, I think health is a particularly kind of interesting one. And, you know, I go back to a comment I made earlier about getting you know the patient and public involvement right the way from the beginning we need them to be helping us to design uh, the studies that we wish to undertake and gain their trust that uh, we are handling confidential or kept you know private data carefully that there's always a patient first perspective uh, in the in the analysis that we do uh, as well as developing systems which have issues of safety and reproducibility kind of built into them. And that's part of the challenge, I think, the, and we should be honest that we don't have all the solutions. It's an active, fascinating open research problem is, in particular, how can we build systems that have inbuilt safety and robustness in being able to kind of not only quantify their uncertainty, because there is always uncertainty in, in predictions or uncertainty in recommendations that are made from AI systems, but are also auditable, such that once these things have made decisions or made predictions, that we're able to somehow interrogate them to understand why decisions or predictions have been made. So again, I think as a collective, we will solve this, but it cannot be done in isolation. So I wonder finish off by asking you to put a really optimistic hat on. Let's assume that we do solve these regulatory issues, we solve these issues relating to patient consent and patient involvement in the discussion, and we also solve some of the technical challenges involved in developing some of these systems. If we get all of this right, how could AI transform healthcare in, say, the next five years, five to ten years? Well, I, I genuinely believe that it could be transformational. And, you know, if we, if we think about how AI might free up expert clinicians and doctors to focus on what they're good at, which is working with patients, understanding the, the context, the social context, the complexity of the of disease, or presentation then and allow AI to do more of the kind of, you know, the grunt work or be able to search through large uh, records of patient in order to find potentially interesting new approaches. 
for treatment. So I think, you know, there's huge kind of promising areas. I think the first things we'll see is, as I said, around operational efficiencies and the use of AI algorithms helping us in terms of the planning and delivery of healthcare within our systems. I think we'll slowly start to see AI entering into clinical decision support tools. Nobody, I think, is talking about replacing clinicians, but, you know, enabling clinical decision making and supporting clinical decision making through an AI enabled uh, devices will be a huge transformation uh, for the NHS. So I think, it, you know, we'll see it gradually, slowly and surely entering all aspects of healthcare, uh, I would say, within 10 years. Fantastic. It is definitely an exciting time to see how all of this is going to develop. That's what we've got time for today on the podcast. So, Professor Holmes, thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. My guest this week was Professor Chris Holmes, Programme Director for Health and Medical Sciences at the Alan Turing Institute. The issue of the use of AI in the early detection of disease is the topic of an event being organised by the Foundation on the 14th of June. Details of this event, which is free to attend, can be found on our website at www.foundation.org.uk forward slash events. Also on the website are details of all our other events, all our blogs, journals and all previous editions of this podcast. Until the next time, goodbye.